primer relato que escribí, Teófilo, trató de todo lo que Jesús comenzó a hacer y enseñar, hasta el día en que fue recibido arriba, después de que por el Espíritu Santo había dado instrucciones a los apóstoles que había escogido. A, a estos, después de... de a eso, después de su padecimiento, se presentó vivo con muchas pruebas convincentes, apareciéndoseles durante 40 días y hablándole de lo consiguiente al reino de Dios. Reuniéndolos, le mandó que no salieran de Jerusalén, sino que esperaran la promesa del Padre, la cual le dijo, oísteis de mí. Hado Hengjon, Ojareso, Yukjol, Chiljol. Yuanum Mullo Sereel Peprosna, Noinun Nari Muteo, Songyong Rup Sereel Padrira, Hashanira, Choiga Moyo Karoset, Yeskeso Muchawa, Chukeso Israel Lara Hebokani, Itenaika, Karasate, Kianan Abujikeso, Chagi Konanel Chosni, Noiga Alpaga Anio. Amen. Subalit at tanggap kayo ng kapangyarihan pagbabasa inyo ng Espiritu Santo at kayo ay magiging mga saksi ko sa Jerusalem, sa buong Hudia at sa Samaria at hanggang sa dulo ng daigdig. Pagkasabi nito, si Jesus ay inaakyat sa langit habang ang mga alagad ay nakatingin sa kanya at natakpan siya ng ulap. Sila ay nakatitig sa langit habang siya ay inaakyat sa langit. Walang ano-ano'y dalawang lalaking nakaputi ang lumitaw sa tabi nila. Sabi nila, Kayong mga taga-Galilea, bakit kayo nakatayo rito at nakatingin sa langit? Itong si Jesus na umakyat sa langit ay magbabalik gaya ng nakita ninyong pag-akyat niya. Amanda, thanks. That was super tricky because you don't know those three languages. You made some good guesses. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering, others who um, English isn't your native language, would there be others? Would you stand? Wouldn't be your, your first, your native language? Anyone else? Excellent. Well, let's, I just want to pray a moment. We're going to pray over the word, but also just pray for the nations. Father, God, first of all, I want to thank you for these three ladies. They are an example to us all of a pursuit of our Lord and Savior. They are also an example to us all, include Alex in this, of the, the extent you will go to, to redeem. Lord God, and I want to thank you for our sisters. I want to thank you for Alex, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you being most familiar with Alex's story. Lord, I want to thank you for the lengths that you would go to redeem. Lord God. Lord, and as we will look to this scripture where you call us to go 
to the ends of the earth. Lord, I want to thank you that you have done so. You have done so. And these three ladies reading in their native tongue, Lord, represents that to us this morning. And Father, we want to pray for a growing expression of this. Lord, we pray for more accents in the room. Lord, we pray for um, just that greater growing expression of, of different culture and different language, different tongue coming together with one voice glorifying our God and Father. Lord, we desire for that. We thank you that you have done that. We thank you that um, in this small expression of that, and Lord, we pray for an expanding expression of that. Lord, I also want to pray for the Shropshires that will soon be traveling. Lord God, would you be with them and bless them, and I want to pray for Casey, Lord, that you would give her grace, Lord, as she continues her travels, Lord, and give her good health and strength and protection and then wisdom as to what team she is to be on in the future. Lord, I thank you for all of our missionaries. Lord, and I pray that you would bless them and I pray that you would now reveal to us that we are all missionaries and stir our hearts this morning through the preaching of your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Ladies, thank you so much. Thank you. It just affects me to hear these ladies read God's word in their language. Um, This summer, this is all part of the sermon, I guess, but um, this summer, there's a mission trip, Grace Partnership has put together to Bolivia Last year, uh, we took nine individuals uh, as part of Grace Partnership to Bolivia. This year, uh, we'll be taking 16, and I talked to Aaron this week, and he said, well, we'll squeeze 18. Um, We are both just saying, very certain, this one is going to fill up, and so that's not uh, fluff, that's not, I'm not trying to boost this thing up. It's just going to fill up. I know that it is. And that trip will include, it's a trip um, there in Bolivia. We, we serve a orphanage um, called Casa de Esperanza. And I, and I hope to show you a video about that next week. Um, one of the ways that this mission team will be um, serving the orphanage is we'll be planting coconut trees. 900 of them, 900 coconut trees, which will help bring um, self-sustaining ability to sell coconuts. Uh, This orphanage has 69, uh, 69 children that they care for and support and, sorry, uh, at the leadership conference, we watched the video that I hope to show you next week, and it is, uh, it is beautiful what this ministry is doing to bring the gospel to these children. We'll also be painting facilities there. 
um, and doing light maintenance and repairs. And there used to be a lot of time with the children as well. And so uh, it, you need to be in good health to go on this trip. You need to, um, yeah, you need to be in good health. You're going to be do, doing a lot of digging, <laughs> literally. So um, think about that. Pray about that. 2020, um, I've begun to work on a mission trip with uh, our friends in the Netherlands. So we will be taking a group again with Grace Partnership. We'll be going to the Netherlands, if the Lord wills, in the summer of 2020. Grace Partnership. Um, there are some cards on one of these tables. Uh, Grace Partnership has been I'm going to say entrusted by the Lord has been given uh, just an incredible number of missional opportunities. We just ask for your prayer for one, that God would give us wisdom. Um, there's more opportunities than there are funds and there are um, ability. And uh, we'll say more about that in the weeks to come as well. Next Sunday, here at Trinity, we'll be receiving our once a year mission offering. And um, we'll be passing out those cards. And we are asking you to prayerfully consider either a one time mission offering or some folks like to give monthly. Um, we'll be passing out those cards. They're not a pledge card in that sense of, you know, I'm making this promise, but it is your desire. You're communicating on a card. Here's my desire. It helps us with, if, especially if you're doing monthly, it helps us with planning and uh, budgeting of those funds. And so please be, be in prayer. Um, these cards, if you have not gotten one these past couple weeks, there are still a few available in the back there, and it lists uh, missional opportunities on the back. And then uh, just want to ask you again to be praying for our Worldview Weekend um, because as it relates to proclaiming, uh, this will be a conference that is geared towards we want to proclaim. God's word is so desperately needed in our day. It's not just needed in the world. It's needed in the church. And that might sound like I'm preaching to the choir. I, I really don't think that I am. I think that the church today um, doesn't value, takes for granted, isn't aware of how many worldviews is influencing our worldview. And we need God's word in our day. We need it in the world, yes. We need it in the church, yes. And so... All of those are just different aspects of, of proclaim. My heart for us this morning in this sermon is where we proclaim. My heart for, this, for us this morning is that, God, would you, would you help us as a church to grow in our proclamation? I want to communicate to you this morning that though I'm the preacher of the text, I'm not the expert of the text. And so I come to you in weakness. Um, I come to you alongside of you. 
But I hope I come to you in a similar heart that would be saying, don't you want to proclaim more? I want to proclaim more. And I desire that the Lord would raise up Trinity to proclaim more. And so the first thing that happens in our text is, is Luke gives us this setup. Luke wrote the book of Acts. And he begins in verse one. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus. And some of you know, but many of you perhaps aren't aware, the first book is the gospel of Luke. Luke is the first book. So I just want to read to you how these two books, how they're tied together. Um, Luke 1, verses 1 through 4, inasmuch as many has undertaken to compile a narrative of things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely from some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certain that you may have certainty concerning things you have been taught. And so here, here is the start of Luke, and then you you connect that with the start of Acts. In the first book, O Theophilus, he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And that's really, <clears throat> we could look at Luke and Acts. <clears throat> Luke is about what Jesus, the Son of God, began to do. And Acts is about what the Spirit of God continued to do. Luke is about the Son of God coming and walking among us. Acts is about God coming by his Spirit to live in us. We need Jesus we need Jesus, the gospel of Luke, and we need the spirit, Acts. So Luke brings this <clears throat> set up <clears throat> in the book of Acts. And it's not perfunctory. It's not da 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 He's communicating some things to us here. And before he gets to where we proclaim, he begins to set the table, and we need to set the table as well. <clears throat> Christ is glorious. Redemption is stunning. The cross, the atonement is amazing. At Trinity, we enjoy sermons that have sightings of the gospel in each sermon, in our community groups, in our children's ministry, in the songs that we sing, we wanna sing about, we wanna proclaim, we wanna teach, we wanna help us apply the gospel to all areas of life. We glory in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would do well to also glory in the spirit of God who lives in us. Are you completely convinced of your need for the Spirit of God living in you? Or, now that sin has been atoned for, forgiveness has been granted by grace, is the rest of the Christian life, you've got this. I needed God for salvation, 
But now that I'm saved, I can kind of just coast out the rest of life. We need the Spirit of God. And I want to ask you, are you, ask yourself, are you entirely convinced of your need? Somewhat of a proposition statement this morning is this. Your call to proclaim is so grand. You must have the Spirit of God to accomplish it. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do until the day when he was taken up. And that's exactly what Luke did in the Gospel of Luke. He ends his Gospel. We looked at how he began his Gospel, but he also ends the Gospel with these, this very thing that he's talking about here in Acts. And that's the ascension of Christ. This is how the Gospel of Luke ends, chapter 24. Then he opened their minds, that's the disciples, to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Sounds a little bit like Acts 1, doesn't it? You are witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending the promise of my, uh, of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed, that's Acts 1 and 2, with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. That's the ascension. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Don't have time to unpack all of that, but yeah, I, just, I, I like to try to imagine myself there. All right, trying to imagine now this is the risen Christ and he's giving the disciples this instruction and he ascends. Back to Acts. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that's all Luke 24. Acts is the sequel to the book of Luke. Well, all that is the setup which leads the disciples to ask a question. And that's point number two is the question. Verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now I want us to consider this question. I want us to consider the disciples. Because the disciples, you can imagine, they're excited. As they grew, as they walked with Jesus, as they saw Christ performing miracle after miracle, as they experienced their own salvation and the salvation of their friends, and salvation sometimes of their loved ones and salvation of so many people, 
they grew. Initially, they didn't get it. And I think the gospel of Mark exposes this the best. They don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. Oh, we're starting to get it around chapters eight and nine. Starting to get it. And then they, they get it. They get it as far as they can get it, I suppose. They get it. They, they, they come to a conviction. This is the king. This is the son of God. This is the Messiah. And I just try to imagine how their excitement must have just been escalating by the day. It's Jesus, the son of God. Each healing, every deliverance, every salvation, this growing anticipation of who this man is. It was another infusion to their faith. This is the son of God. And he's here and he's come to deliver us. And he's here to restore the kingdom to Israel. Remember, Jesus came teaching about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. And these disciples are going, wow, the kingdom of God is here and all that that means. And in their mind, what that meant is he's the king and he's bringing his kingdom, which means he's going to overthrow Rome. He's the new Moses who's going to deliver us out from under the slavery of Egypt. Now in our day, it's, it's he's going to deliver us out from under the tyranny of, of Rome and he's going to restore the temple and he's going to restore us to our own land and we are going to be once again the people of God. And they were right and they were wrong. They were more right than they realized. He came to establish the kingdom. But his kingdom, what they weren't aware of, is an eternal kingdom. He came to do more than establish his kingdom in tiny little Rome. They were right. He did come to establish his kingdom. They were wrong. He did more. He came to do more than just overthrow this evil Roman Empire. He came to overthrow evil. He came to overthrow sin and death and their ultimate enemy of Satan himself. They were right, they were wrong. He didn't come to just restore them to a land in their little lifetime. He came to offer them a restored new heaven and new earth that would last for eternity. He didn't come to just offer them a temporary king. He came to be the eternal king with an eternal kingdom that completely overthrows the darkness. And then as their excitement was just rising and rising and rising, he died. And all the air was sucked out of the room. And all hope for kingdom restoration was lost and some of his followers would wonder was he a fraud what were they to think about all those miracles 
And all those questions, I think, represented probably the best by Thomas. Doubting Thomas. And then he rose. And now they're interacting here in Acts and at the end of Luke, they're interacting with the risen Savior, Lord, Messiah, King. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so they have this question. And they're back to, oh, now wait a minute. All right, so are you here to establish your kingdom? We got all our hopes in you, and then you died, and now you've risen. And now they're thinking, oh, is now the time? Now must be the time. Now must be the time for the kingdom of God to be at hand. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel is the question. Are you going to overthrow Rome? Are we going to get that land? Are we going to be the people of God? Is, is this the time? Because we thought it was the time and then you died. But now you've risen. And so we're thinking maybe it's the time. We're excited about that. Is it the time? That's the question. Point three, here's the answer. He said to them, it's not for you to know the time or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't blame these guys. Like, I am these guys, right? Are you one of these guys? They were obsessed with when. Is it now? When? How about now? When is it gonna happen? And Jesus says to them and us, yeah, don't worry about that. Sometimes we get all caught up in the timing of things. When will this happen? When will that happen? Every year. Every year there's new predictions on the timing of things. Timing predictions sell. They do. Whether that's the market or the day Jesus will return. It sells. It makes money for people. So there'll be new predictions this year. New books, conferences declaring the timing of things. But timing is a sidetrack. It's a distraction from mission. The issue, what Jesus is showing us with his answer, the issue is not when. The issue is what the issue isn't when will you return? The issue is what are we to do until that day comes? What are we called to be doing until that time? Jesus says, no, guys, don't concern yourself with the timing of things. That's not for you. The Father has got this. That's in his hands. He's the one with the authority of the timing of things. Don't worry, don't concern yourself. You, you know what, like I look at verse seven and I find in verse seven there's, a, there's, there's comfort and hope and there's a, there's a sense of peace to verse seven. It says to me, Tim, don't worry about that. Like I like to worry about things I have no business worrying about. So do you. 
But, but Jesus is saying, look, you, you can just find this peace and this comfort and rest in knowing the Father has got this. And he win. Amen. Amen. And, and so we don't have to be so tied up in the timing of things, but he is calling us to something here. And he's calling us to what do we do until that time comes? <clears throat> it's not for you to know. Don't worry about that. The Father's got it. It's fixed. By his authority, it's fixed, it's settled, it's done. The Father has got this whole kingdom thing under his sovereign hand. Don't worry about it. But, point number four, the however. But, or however, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So Jesus is saying to these guys who've gotten the... They got their hopes up. Oh, he's the Messiah. He's going to overthrow Rome. Oh, no, he just died. Oh, yes, he's risen. Is this the time? Would you stop it, guys? It's not about that. It's about the mission that I've called you to until that time comes. Be busy living for the Lord, serving the Lord, missioning for the Lord until that time comes, whenever that might be. That's in the Father's hands. You don't need to worry. However, you do need to know that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you for that mission. It's like Jesus is saying, if you want to talk the timing of things, you don't need to wonder about when the kingdom will be restored, but you do need to consider you will be empowered when, that's a timing thing, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when that happens, you will be my witnesses. Now, we're not that far removed from Christmas. Not the next one, but the last one. We're just inside of two months since Christmas. And if you remember, on that Sunday before Christmas, we preached God with us, Emmanuel. There were three points to the sermon. It was point number one, God with us. Amazing. God himself came in human flesh. Point number two was God with us. That he's not at a distance, but he came to live among us. And point three was God with us. <laughs> Us, can, can you believe it? God came to redeem sinful man. That was the three points. Here's the fourth point to that message. Point number four to that message. God now lives in us. God with us, in us, is the book of Acts. Now you remember who Jesus is talking to here in Acts and Luke. He's talking to the bumbling disciples. He's talking to this motley crew of disciples. He's talking to people just like us. 
These guys who not that long ago were arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. Make sure, like, hmm, and mom's even getting involved. Like, I want my sons, you know, one of them to sit on your right hand and one of them on the left hand, and the others are hearing about, like, oh, are, really? <laughs> are we having this conversation right now? How did the Lord <laughs> endure this crowd, this crowd? These are guys who, when some of them, as they were walking with Jesus, they asked Christ, call fire down on this village. Burn them up. Peter, among them, having been told, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows. No, that's not going to happen. Denied Christ. These guys who saw Christ feed thousands on a mountaintop, not much, much later, wondered, how are you going to feed all these people? What are we going to do? We need to send them home. Short memories. You have to read your Bible and ask the question, is this a mistake? Like, the, the future of the church is hinging on these guys, sort of, not really. Did Jesus choose the wrong guys for his mission? And I say all that to say, right? Got any doubts in the room this morning about yourself? Got any questions about your weakness, your lack of faith, your wondering, your thoughts? How in the world is God going to use these people? How in the world is God going to use us people? The kingdom of God is hinging on these guys, sort of. These guys who not long ago were arguing about who's the greatest among them. How about you? Do you, do you feel inadequate for the mission? I hope you do. If you feel inadequate for the mission, get in line. Get in line with guys like, you know, some names you might recognize, guys like Moses. Lord, this mouth of mine, right? Like, <laughs> certainly you gotta have a better pick than Moses. Jeremiah, Jeremiah the same. Can't, not, no, not. How about Jonah. Like, really? Like, Jonah is, is, the odd thing about Jonah is he's full of faith. He knows that if he goes and preaches to Nineveh, that they will repent. So, I don't want to go. <laughs> Jonah. Everyone else thought David would be a horrible choice. Little ruddy guy, shepherd boy. Inadequate. How about Timothy? Timid. Timid Timothy. In church, isn't that the point? <laughs> isn't that the point? You feel inadequate in the mission? We are inadequate. Here's why. You, you can't do Acts 1.8. You can't do Acts 1.8. 
the text is calling us to proclaim Christ. Our series is calling us to proclaim Christ. Well, my prayer is that we proclaim Christ more loudly and more clearly and more boldly in 2019 and more intentionally and more prayerfully. And you're looking back at us and you're saying, I'm so inadequate to do that. And I'm saying, yeah, I feel the same thing. I feel the same way. I'm so inadequate to do that. And you're right. In and of yourself, you can't do that. And that's why he gave us himself to then go and do that. Without the spirit of God, we are nothing. We have nothing. But with the spirit of God in us, we have been empowered to do his work. He is at work. So before we answer where we proclaim, you're like, isn't that the title of this sermon? Like, is he ever gonna get there? It's really just a big setup for a short ending to help us consider and all of these thoughts of inadequacy and all of the thoughts of how grand, you, you marry how grand the mission is. Go to the ends of the earth. How inadequate we are. It should drive us to need. I need the spirit of God's empowerment in my life. I need to to. Well, drive into work praying, Spirit of God, help me today. I need you. I'm so inadequate, and the mission is so grand. That's why he gave us himself. Without the Spirit of God, we're nothing. We have nothing. But the Spirit of God is in us. And so we proclaim And we need a conviction that in our inadequacy, we are filled with God himself living in us. The mission was too big for these guys. They can't get this done. But God is a God on mission. Ever since Genesis 3, he's a God on mission. Actually, before the beginning of time, he's a God on mission. And God is going to mission through his people. And to accomplish that mission, he's going to give us himself to empower us for that mission. So in our inadequacy, ready, hear this, you and I have everything we need. I'm inadequate, right, And I've given you myself. You have everything you need for mission. Are you completely convinced you have all you need to be a witness of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world? Because the responses, right, begin to to chime in. I'm so sinful. Right. Yes, you are. And God has forgiven you and he's called you to mission. Uh, I just don't have the kind of biblical knowledge 
you're, you're right, and we're all growing. We're all growing. None of that is the point. And that's why he gave us himself. So that our dependence wouldn't be on our biblical knowledge or our dependence wouldn't be on how unsinful you were this week, but your dependence would be on, I have the spirit of God living in me and he's called me to mission. They were a mess. We're a mess. Welcome to the mess. Sometimes I'm so disappointed in my own evangelism. Missed opportunities. How about you? Anybody not disappointed? Is anybody just so getting mission done that you would just say, I am not disappointed in mine? I'm convinced that's partially why we have Acts chapter one. Because we're a mess. And he doesn't call them and he doesn't call us to witness because they or we are amazing. He's saying, you need my spirit. You need the Spirit's empowerment because you're going to be facing things. You're going to be facing people and you're going to be facing suffering. You who have failed, I'm going to give you my Spirit. He will transform you and fill you and empower you for the mission because what I'm calling you to is bigger than you. What God is calling us to is bigger than you bigger than Trinity, bigger than our little partnership of churches. He's calling us to something bigger than you. And so you and I need the Spirit's presence and he gives us nothing less than the Spirit's presence. Do you see how big your calling is? What he does here in Acts chapter one should sober us maybe I could even say terrify us and then fill us with faith. (laughs) Right in the middle of that sobering, terrifying moment, fill our hearts with faith. Ah, yes. (laughs) Wait, no, not, oh, thank you. Our first thought, terror. (laughs) Our next thought, faith. Our first thought, No, not me. Our second thought, he's calling me to go. Faith, because yes, he gives me himself to then go. One moment, fear and trembling. The next moment, awe and wonder. Wow. He doesn't send us on our own. Acts will move forward and we'll see Cowards who have become courageous. What happened? (laughs) Acts 2 happened. The Spirit of God came. At the end of Luke, you've got Peter denying Christ in quiet places sometimes, not in front of big public displays, but the little servant girl, he denies Christ and In Acts 2, we see him proclaiming Christ. Proclaiming Christ to the crowds and he's preaching the gospel. And if you haven't read Acts 2 in a while, reread it. Like, it's it's pretty hard hitting. This Jesus, who you killed. (laughs) 
offers you the forgiveness of your sins and he's proclaiming Christ and the gospel and he's doing so with radical boldness. We ought to be reading Acts 2 and the end of Luke and going, what happened? Acts 2 happened. He's been filled with the spirit of God. He's been empowered to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. It's stunning. Read Acts 4. I wanted to this morning. We won't take the time, but read Acts 4. You've got... In Acts 4, you've got Peter and John, and they've been imprisoned, right? They've been teaching the people, and they're proclaiming Christ. They're doing it. They're doing Acts 1-8. They're preaching Christ. God's going to bless them, right? Yeah, blessing's going to come to them through the means of prison. They're going to find themselves in prison. Well, the government wants to shut the, shut the uh, Peter and John evangelism service down. And so they threaten them. And they say to them, look, you, you're going to have to stop. Stop it now. And their reply is, well, do, it's really, it reminds you a lot of Daniel. Do what you got to do. <laughs> but as for us, we're not going to bow. Like, do what you got to do, but we're going to preach the gospel because that's what we've been called to and that's what we've been empowered to. That's what we've been equipped for through his presence himself. And so, nope, sorry, king, if you will. Sorry, we're not going to be able to be silent. And we read the rest of Acts and we see all these signs and wonders and we see the lost being saved and the sick are being healed, healed and people are being delivered And it's like the entire book of Acts is this reminder. You guys, you motley crew disciples, you, you mess of disciples, you, you rejects, call it whatever you want, right? Like you inadequate for the mission, guys. You've been filled by the spirit of God and empowered by God. And the mission advances in ways I don't think those guys ever dreamed imaginable. It's not like they had a church growth conference and they walked out and said, here's some, you know, here's the 10 things we need to do as a local church to build this church and to have thousands join us. No, they just preached the gospel. I know there are differing views in the room, I'm sure, about the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit, depending on how, which term you want to use. And we respect different views. I want to tell you my view very briefly. At salvation, you were given the Spirit of God. He lives in you. Are you saved? If your answer is yes, then you have the Holy Spirit in you. That said, Paul to the Ephesians tells them to be continually filled. This ongoing receiving of the Holy Spirit, this continual filling of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit living in, in us. We need to recognize we need the Holy Spirit. And so now that you have the Holy Spirit living in you, we are given this mission to go. And God is entrusting 
to us the saving message of Jesus Christ. We are, as Corinthians tells us, we are ambassadors of Christ, meaning we carry the message of the king. If you're an ambassador, that's what you do. You go to other lands, other nations, carrying the message, in our case, of the president. We carry the message, not of the president, we carry the message of the king, of all kings. When you proclaim, that is what you're doing. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now here's the thing, like, I thought it was pretty cool like, to look over here and all these globes. But guess what, if you're a disciple, in Jesus' day, you didn't have a globe. Like, what's the end of the earth? That's like three towns over. <laughs> you didn't have transportation. Think about the mission Christ has given these guys. It's stunning to consider. But here's what's interesting. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It's like they had a category for, that, for those places, right? They understood those places. They had some familiarity with those places. And they went. But Christ was saying to them, I'm calling you to go beyond your categories, your places that are familiar to you. I'm calling you to go beyond what's familiar. I'm calling you to places you don't even know exist. For the sake of mission. I'm calling you to something bigger than you could ever imagine. Your mission is vast. It's far-reaching. It's to the ends of the earth. And I think we today need to be reminded of this because there's this level of mission comfort, if you will. And I think God calls us to go beyond our comforts, our familiarities, our little Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. I don't mean like geographically, like the things that are close to us. I mean takes us beyond our comforts and what's familiar. And it can feel like if you've ever been in the mountains and you're overdriving your headlights, it can feel like that. It can feel reckless. which is called faith. That's what faith is. And we have every reason to be full of it. Faith. To be full of faith. The call to go is so fast and so beyond us and so daunting and completely beyond our capacity and so beyond our abilities and so beyond everything that it requires faith because it's risky. It's not comfortable. Who might God be calling you to go to that takes you beyond your categories of comfort? I want to tell you this morning, the Spirit himself has empowered you and I to go. It's not a new mission that suddenly appears in Acts. This mission began back there in Genesis, chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's the calling of Abraham to go. It's sung about by the psalmist. A lot of places we could go to that. We actually sang some this morning of that proclamation. Psalm 96, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. It was the message of the prophets. Ezekiel 11, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statues and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. It was the message of Christ. It was the message he preached. It was the message he lived and when he ascended, it was the spirit of God he sent to then accomplish that mission through us so we can get in line church we are part of this mission this mission of God to redeem fallen man has been heralded for thousands of years get in line just get in line with all of Christian history you have been saved it's 2019 you have been filled, not just for the gifts, thank you God for the gifts, but not just for that, not just for serving, thank you for that, but to proclaim him, for the glory of his name, to proclaim him. Where, where do we do this? Where do we proclaim? Am I called to the mission field? Yeah, you bet you are. Where you live is the mission field. Where you shop is the mission field. Where you buy your groceries and where you buy your coffee, that's the mission field. Where you play, where you recreation, where you take the kids to the park, where you go to school, where you attend college, where you go, this is your mission field. It's not by accident that you live where you live. It's not by accident that you shop where you shop and it's not by accident that you work where you work. Mission where you go. Mission where you live. You've been empowered for this. Now here's what's interesting about the text. These disciples, they were good with Jerusalem. Right? Like, they, they jumped right on board and began to proclaim in Jerusalem. And actually, it was through suffering that they got pushed out of Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. But they were good with Jerusalem. They got busy. What's interesting for us today is we tend to be good with the ends of the earth and we struggle with Jerusalem. You tracking with me? We're good with God bless you and I'll even support you and give you some and like, yeah, I think we should be supportive and prayerfully supportive and not all of us are called to go across the ocean. 
But we're comfortable with that thought of mission that's out there. That as long as I support you, teen missions guys, we, we want to support you and you guys go do that mission thing. The disciples were comfortable with their Jerusalem. Well, I'm just going to call it their backyard. But they didn't have a category for the ends of the earth and they were pushed out there. We tend to be comfortable with the ends of the earth because it really doesn't call that much of us. And we're not comfortable with the backyard, Jerusalem. God help us. I don't say any of that as a means to give us a guilt trip. (laughs) No. But it should sober us. It should call us. It should provide for us a faith-filled reminder. It should bring to us this glorious moment of remembering who lives in me, the spirit of God himself. Go back and consider the gospel and consider your salvation and your transformation and that now you've been empowered, that this grace is absolutely stunning, glorious in its beauty and its joy and it must be shared. It's not an attempt to guilt you into going. It's a desire for you and me to see the glory that we've been given and then to go. Guilt will not move you to witness. Seeing the gospel and seeing the spirit of God who lives in you is what will move you to witness. Seeing the grace of Christ, the glory of the spirit who lives in you, the forgiveness of all of my failures, all of your failures, The Father who sent the Son, the Son who came, the Spirit who fills us, the power He now grants us, the mission, our proclamation is joy, beauty, delight, and glory. So toss guilt to the curb and put on faith instead. He called us and filled us and empowers us for this mission. What does that look like? Well, it's not one size fits all. It's gonna look different for different people. For some, it's gonna be on the street. For others, it's gonna be at the dining room table. It's gonna be neighbors or friends or strangers or intentionally built relationships or restaurants or, or yes, giving and serving and praying and going. It's recognizing you live where you live because God put you there. You didn't move across the country. Well, you thought you did. You thought you moved across the country because so-and-so corporation gave you that offer. There's a bigger kingdom at operation over that move. We, we, We thought it was just this, but no, it's actually this. And God perhaps has moved you across the country that you would sit in that cubicle next to that person because he desires that person to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stunning. Set your politics to the side. Kick your arguments to the curb. Set the secondary to the side. Non-essential things. We don't argue people into the kingdom. No one after a beat down argument says, thank you. 
Appreciate that. I've become convinced because of your grand arguments. We love people. We love people right where they're at. We care for people right where they're at. We love them while their lifestyle and, and all, everything about them is not clean. Their speech isn't clean. Their actions might even offend us. Their pride is on display. Great. Share Christ with them. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remind ourselves of the gospel which helps us to, rather than being self-righteously offended, it helps me be humbled and to be compassionate and caring and loving. Oh, I want to proclaim the gospel to you. You need the gospel. Back to our text. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. (laughs) And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, a couple of those white-robed guys out of nowhere, and said, men of Galilee, (laughs) why do you stand looking into heaven? Well, I don't know. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we were just talking to this guy, and we just, yeah, we just kind of do this thing where we stand looking into heaven all the time. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. That's that timing thing. You don't need to worry about when that is, but he's coming. If I could have the worship team join me. Who do we proclaim? That was week one. We proclaim Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. We proclaim Christ. Christ is the hope of our world. Listen, we don't proclaim ourselves. We don't proclaim our politic. We proclaim Christ. Christ, it is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. Nothing less than that. He is the giver of life. He is the head of the church. He is the savior, redeemer, deliverer, our only hope. Who we proclaim? Christ. What do we proclaim? We proclaim the gospel. We proclaim the good news of salvation. That was week two. That was last week. Loon, the first week. Tom, last week. Fantastic jobs just helping us unpack these scriptures. We proclaim the gospel, the good news, to a lost and dying world, the power of God unto salvation, the forgiveness that is, not, that is only found, only found in Christ's forgiveness on the cross, the freedom of sins are forgiven. Where do we proclaim? Oh, Senegal, India, Bolivia, all the destinations that teen missions will be taking this summer. Where do we proclaim? The grocery store, the coffee shop, the cubicle, the neighborhood, the college classroom, the library, the restaurant, wherever you find yourself, proclaim the gospel there for the glory of God. Next Sunday, we'll be receiving our mission offering, and I would ask you to prayerfully consider how you might participate in that. Would you stand with me? Little backstory to just the the word that I shared with us earlier during our singing time of worship. Felt like the Lord gave that to me when we were at the leadership conference and the past couple of Sundays, 
just been really busy. Like we've had a lot, you know, and I want to get the, want to get the microphone to the guest preacher. And, and see, you know, the first week I thought, oh, I'll share it. No, I can't. No, I'll share it. No, I can't. Interesting, the timing of things. Even as I was preaching this scripture, I hadn't put together the pieces, but just how the Lord is taking the lid off of your personal ministry and how that relates to this proclamation. So just right where you're at, that word earlier.